0: Amen. Here we go. Amen. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for taking the Word, which is Jesus himself, and illuminating that, giving us revelation, helping us to see that which we wouldn't be able to see apart from you. We thank you for your Word. It's coming alive to us more and more, all the time. We love this time of year, this season of Advent. We bless you, Lord. We're here to minister to you. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. amen. Well, how's this been pulled with working on
1: the
0: Jeremiah, you what a man. Yep. This is what I like to do, right? You guys told me I like to do this. Yep. So I think that's why you put this footrest here for me. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are continuing in the first part of chapter uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 and 2. And we're into this season of Advent, which I love. This season of Advent, I love everything about it. And uh, but uh, we talked about how that Advent is this announcement that someone or something is coming, something, someone is here, and this is this announcement from God to the whole world. This is this heavenly marketing campaign. That has been going on saying, you know what? There has been this divide between man and God. But now that's been closed. That gap's been closed. The veil's been torn away. He has not only come, but He keeps on coming. He's faithful. He he loves us. This is what this neon sign in the the heavens has been saying to us ever since Jesus has come. We're going to look at this marketing plan as He sends His sales... You know, guys with the, with the sales pitch from the heavens, and they start talking to the earth dwellers, sharing about who Jesus is and that he's here. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. Isn't that interesting, the way that they phrase that? Glory to God and peace on earth to all whom God favors. Does God favor everyone? We're going to answer that question in a little bit. So we've got these angels coming in Luke chapter 2, and they're singing and shouting this declaration. In the midst of this immense chaos that's going on around the world, and and, uh, it's probably never a time that we have needed more of this peace on earth and God's favor. You guys hear it in the news all the time. I'm not the only one. I love reading the news. I love staying in touch with what's going on in our world. You know, Charles Spurgeon. He talked about. He says he preaches with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. This guy was up to date, right? Because we want to be able to apply God's word to our everyday lives. That was the, the one of the greatest concerns that the founders of our nation had in terms of the people that came here. Was being able to take the word of God and apply it to everyday life. If we can't apply it to our lives, there's no point. We have to be able to take truth and put it into our lives. Just like we talked about, the only scripture that the enemy is concerned about you hearing is the one that you actually take and apply to your life. Guys, there's millions of people that sit in pews, and I don't know about millions, but I'm guessing, but I would say millions of people Based upon what they say is that there are probably half of people in America are unregenerate Christians. In other words, they think they're followers of Jesus. They think they're born again and that they're saved. But they're actually not. Wow. What are some of the things going on in the world right now? Things that you're hearing about. this, The chaos and the mayhem. And we have stuff, you know, just in, in Ferguson, that ripple effect. That's going out from there in terms of all the different protests. What else? ISIS? ISIS. <coughs> Sorry? Russia. Russia? North Korea? Iran. Iran. We're surrounded. We can go on and on. We could talk about the economy. We could talk about, David and I sat there once the other day, and we're talking about the economy. And we're talking about preparation. And we're talking about what do we do in the face of all the things that are coming at us all the time. Things that are completely out of our control. Completely out of our control. Uh, before we start to lose the joy of the season let's move on here's the good news that we see in here we see Jesus coming and we see God choosing some very unlikely people, some unusual suspects if you will to do extraordinary things through their lives and I'm looking at ordinary people God desires to do his extraordinary work through death. That. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm looking at right now. And when I say that, just like myself, I know you're sitting there and you have all the disqualifications. You're going through your list of all the things that you're not, and that you think you never will be, and we may not be. But I guarantee you, the people that God used, they never in a million years thought that Jesus would ever come to them, that God could ever use them in any way. But their stories are good news for us, and they're good news for our world that we live in. I want to focus on two of these situations, two of which we we can apply to our lives. And when we look at these things, one of them being, This young woman, probably 13 or 14 years old, married. All the pictures that we see, you know, she in the pictures. uh, The pictures are probably a lot prettier than she probably was. They've got her all dolled up, and you know, but we kind of tend to do to the pictures of people um, like Jesus. Jesus was not a white boy like me. Okay. Right, he's from the Middle East, so we we tend to you know doll them up and get them all looking good, just like we do to the cross, and so we make the cross a lot less than it really is in our lives. Next one would be the common shepherds, and uh, but these two examples that we want to look at uh, tonight are are just great because they bring encouragement to us when we first planted this church. We began to look at the, the lives of the 12 disciples. And you guys remember, I was going through that and studying looking at their lives. And it was amazing to see. It just built faith and encouragement in us to realize, wow, God used these guys. He can use us. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. God's not in. We, we know by looking at these people's lives that God's not into pomp and circumstance. He's not into someone's social status. He's not into some how much money you have or how little money you have. He's not into any of those things. He's not into pedigrees. He's actually into himself. God's glory, His own glory, is His what He values the most, and that is what we're about as well. What God values is very simple and yet very profound. Let's look at Mary, first of all, and we just see here, God of the impossible. There are many situations that we look at in our lives, and this is where we make application, because we all have those situations, financially, whatever it would be, and we think, you know what, God's not interested in that. And I don't know why He's interested, because I look around the world and I see all kinds of, you know, Things that we look, we go, oh, FWP's, our first world problems, right? And yet he takes interest in those things. We have somebody on the other side of the world who's dying of starvation, and I'm concerned because I've just run out of milk. And God cares about that, and I don't get that. But we have much more impossible situations. Each of us can make that application in our own life. Much more impossible than being out of milk. But let's look at here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Six sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent Angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The, the Lord is with you. Everybody with me so far? Amen. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Confused and disturbed. Exactly. And yet we've heard these things a lot of us since Sunday school, and so we just blow around past, the we going, Yeah, and we're taking in and going, uh-huh. Just like we think, we think we talked about last week, how that when Jesus came, we think, Oh, I totally would have known he was the Son of God. I totally would have gotten it, picked up on it. Mm, I'm not so sure. Statistically speaking, all of us would be out of the bidding uh, in, in terms of discerning whether or not it was Jesus who was the son of God when he came. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you're the name of Jesus. Think about all the stuff Mary was going to go through. Was she blessed? Think about that next time you say, that God bless you to someone he will be very great to will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over Israel forever. Mary asked the angel, But how can I have a baby on the virgin? And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. For nothing is impossible with God. That is what has to go deep into our spirit, is nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, brace yourself. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true, and then the angel left. Okay, let's start with the obvious first of all. On God's part, this is so not cool to do to somebody Think about what God, knowing what he's doing, knowing ahead of time the consequences of what this is going to mean for Mary, and still choosing to put her through this. Awkward would be an understatement. What was Mary supposed to tell everyone? I mean, think about what, what Mary's going to say. Yeah, um, uh, we're like, Mary, have been eating a little extra lately? And she's like, mm. yeah, how do you break that to someone? First of all, it's it's totally taboo. In this time period, in this culture, you, you do not get pregnant outside of marriage. No way, no can do it. Because there was a great fear of what would happen if you did this. But, you know, this, yeah, this angel came and told me. So she's 13, 14 years old. Think about my daughter Trinity. Let's try and make it real in terms of, like, okay. Trinity says, yeah, I got pregnant by an angel. We're all going, yeah, right. Sure. Likely story. Boy or girl? Well, it's a boy. And you know this Messiah? This Messiah that's been prophesied For thousands of years Yeah, I've got him cooking in the oven That's who's inside of me Right, and an angel told you this, right? There's no way to explain this it, And this is why we see them, I think the reason why God had to send angels To come and announce this Because nobody's going to believe this story Guys, even Joseph didn't believe it He's, he's engaged to be married to this girl He didn't even believe it. It took an angelic visitation for him to believe what was going on. Nobody's going to believe this girl. She is literally a lowlife from Nazareth. Nothing, remember what they said about Jesus? Nothing good comes out of Galilee or Nazareth. Galilee was one thing. Then it was doubly, it was double, you know, it was twice as bad. Couldn't figure out how I was going to say doubly something. I don't know what was coming out of that it was twice as bad, hundred times as bad, to, to be from Nazareth. So people are like, hey, can you get me that stone right over there because this girl's going down? I mean, that's basically the response. And if her father didn't protect her, then she, she would have been stoned. And if her father didn't still receive her into the home and take care of her, she would have been out on her own. Many girls that ended up like this, in that type of a situation, taking advantage of or whatever, they ended up having to prostitute themselves just to make money, to live. I mean, Jesus, um, you know, taking a modern day, it'd be like Jesus being born in like Colville or Briar or something. I mean, literally, that's what it would be like. No big city, this is just a podunk town up north somewhere in Israel. And this is how God chose to bring Jesus into the world. I I, I, Young, poor, female, she had every strike against her. Every strike. And God purposefully did this And he's going to use us. He's going to use us. I think he's showing us every single strike so that we can say, I have no excuses. There are no disqualifications at that point in time. You know you like to think about you know angels being submissive, completely obedient in their tasks and the assignments that they're given. But I, I think Gabriel had to scratching his head, like, God, oh, are you sure about this? Because nobody's gonna believe this story. I mean, you're setting her up for an impossible situation. Okay, this also should help us see that every impossible situation that we look at in our life that seems impossible is now possible with God. That we can believe that God is orchestrating things. You know, as we went through, Mom, when we went through things,
1: shouldn't have done that.
0: When we went through what we did with the when we think things are getting totally out of control. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Ah. Mary gets chosen for one of the most important privileges that God has ever given to anyone. We may feel our inability, our lack of experience, our lack of education, But you have to look at her life in the way that she chooses, by God's grace, not because she's, you know, we're not venerating Mary or anything like that, but because of God's grace, he gives us the ability to do those things. And, but she chooses and says yes, and she trusts and obey, that is what qualifies, not all those other things that we tend to look at in terms of qualifications and success. And I want you on my team, and I want you on my team, because you look like this, and you act like this, and you talk like this. And Jesus picks the most unlikely people to be on this team. I love it. I love it. So Mary, literally, we can look at this and then take this and apply it to our lives, but literally she becomes this delivery system. For the son of God to the entire world because she was willing to say yes and to trust him, trust God and obey him from some guy that shows up in her room and God gave her obviously faith to be able to believe what it was that the angel was telling her, even at such a young age. The impact that she, I should say, that God was able to have through her life. And that is what he desires to do with us. These are the takeaways that we get to have. In the face of impossible situations, we grab onto God's possible. God makes it possible. I I wanted to have uh, RJ and Tammy come up here. And they've been, because we we had lunch with them the other day, and and uh, I just the thing that I when I asked them this because I believe their story um, as they're going to share with you just it provides such a, a hope and encouragement in, in trusting God in the midst of and they're going through it right now and but they're they're seeing some things that they've been waiting for for a long time
1: and uh, God is is coming through because it's God's timing at this point in time but. It's been difficult in
0: the midst of that to trust the Lord and to be obedient to him um, along the way. So I want their story to be shared with you, if we can have that microphone.
2: Thank you, Lord. Um, Well, RJ and I married seven years ago. And within months of being married, his amazing business that he had um, fell apart. And all of his dreams and all of his life that he had put into that, and many others who had their lives in that, uh, began to lose it. And this was in 2007. And up till this last couple of weeks, we have travailed um, and prevailed um, with the Lord without any constant work. So it's been seven years, um, which is really, really difficult for a man who knows that he is called by God to stand in that place and make a pr- provision for his, for his family. Um, so my husband has um, done all kinds of things uh, to make his stand. He has pursued daily work. He has um, never quit. He has run his course like a man I have never seen. He has never given up, and he has faced all kinds of adversity. He has had jobs where he has worked and never been paid. He's had promises that have been broken, and one disappointment after another. And we decided that we were on a course with each other and with God to pursue God's perfect and pleasing will no matter what, whatever the cost, whatever it was. And prior to that, we both had walks with the Lord to mature us into a place where we were not just starting here. We already knew what it was to walk by faith. We already knew what it was to persevere. Um, But we had no idea that we were going to go into the desert for seven years and um, you don't know when you're in the desert when you're going to come out. You keep thinking, if I do this, if I do that, if I press harder here, if I, you know, you're looking to find a way out and find the answer, and the whole time, God is there. He's there the whole time with you, and he is so wanting that intimacy with you To walk hand in hand and to find him in such a place that he becomes so much bigger than what you're pursuing. The answers that you think, you know, are the big deal. Uh, Way back years ago, most of you know I have a disabled 28-year-old son named Caleb. And I had to fight for his life. Um, When I was pregnant with him, my firstborn, he was not supposed to make it full term. When he did make it, it was a miracle. And even then, they said, love him up. It's a matter of time. When he was two, he was in the hospital in a coma, you know, and it was just a matter of time. But in that process, as a young Christian woman, for her baby, God was teaching me that walking by faith and not by sight is a lifetime pursuit hand-in-hand with God. You don't get there one day and arrive. You are going to constantly be walking that walk hand-in-hand. And what you can look behind and see where you've come from equips you and strengthens you and anoints you for the days ahead. And it's not... For you, it's for the world. So the glory that he is working in each one of us, in the difficulty, in the hardships, in the uh, hard, burdened places that we each find ourselves in, and if we aren't today, we'll be there tomorrow, Um, he is going to take your hand and walk with you as you allow him to, as you pursue him in the midst of it and turn your face just locked on to him so that the waves can come. Oh, yes, and there'll be things that come your way that make you feel like everything's going to be all right. This just happened and -and so-and-so said that. And then what happened to us is they didn't happen. So over and over there was disappointment, and we see that in other people as well. It looks differently, but there's disappointment over and over and over again. And what God wants to do in that place of disappointment, as I learned when I had Caleb, was I kept my eyes, the Lord showed me, I kept my eyes on whatever it was, and for me it was Caleb. Lord, heal Caleb. Lord, heal Caleb. I will run at like the woman with the issue of blood and touch the bottom of that robe to get that healing for Caleb. And my eyes went like that to what I was burdened and what I wanted. And what the Lord told me as a really young Christian, it changed my life and it strengthened me then, and he's building on those things, is he says, you see like this. And I see like this. And Caleb is just as important to me, but I see like this. And, and that what that meant was, my ways are so far greater. And you're so limited by yourselves, by your history, by where you came from, by this world in which you live in. But I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I created the heavens and the earth. you know. And if we can wrap our heads around that, So that that thing that we're so burdened for, we realize, my God, you know, And, and then we can actually take our steps, run our race, keep our eyes on the mark, and look behind us and look where we have come. And then we can grab one to the left and one to the right. And so RJ and I are just sharing today because after a long pursuit... Uh, We can give God glory, and and he wanted us to give him glory the whole time. So we hope that our lives have done that because he maybe took these seven years to teach us that the winds are always going to blow, the waves are always going to be there, there's always going to be high points and low points. But I want you to live in this place with me, that it doesn't matter what is around you and what's coming at you and what's around the corner. It doesn't matter the high places. There's a place of peace. And what he told me for seven years that I logged over and over and over was rest. The last thing I would think about was resting in my soul man, but my spirit would find a place as he would say, Tammy, come. Come and rest with me. Come and rest with me. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Come and rest. And in that rest, there's such peace. And in that peace, there's such strength. And then all of a sudden, there's joy. There's joy in the middle of tears. There's joy. And it's an amazing inheritance that we have. We have that. That belongs to young and old. Everybody, that's ours. That's our inheritance And it's powerful. And it actually isn't just for us. It's for everybody around us, our brothers and sisters, but it's also for the world. The world is crying out for hope. They don't even, they're going through what we're going through and they don't even have hope. And we're having difficulty, hope deferred. We've all experienced that. But He is so great. And RJ, I'm going to let him share, but within 12 days, just a blur of an eye, everything that we have been moving forward to, we kept our eyes on something greater than what we were capable of. We kept our eyes on the things that God is calling in the deep places and thought they don 't make sense, but in the desert we 're going to believe you know, and we kept reaching for things that were greater. Than we are knowing that God has a purpose and all the things through those seven years, my husband rebuilt himself in those seven years to be something that he couldn't have reached back then that he is today. And even last summer, he went to D.C., if many of you remember, for three months he was gone. We thought, yeah, this is it. This is it. It's finally going to happen. You know, open the floodgates. Here we come, Jesus. And when he came home after those three months, and a week went by, and another week went by, and another month went by, you start feeling again, seven years, a lot of failure, a lot of, oh, Lord, you know what? And a lot of us have experienced that, but we kept remembering, keeping our face and our eyes locked on our Savior and letting that perseverance do its work. It's doing a work, it's changing us. And in its right time, everything, all the cards just fell, boom, 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 boom. And you look back and you knew that none of that could have happened without the step before it, without the step before it. And we didn't do it. God did. God did.
3: What what am I supposed to say after that? <laughs> I think one of the things that the Holy Spirit had uh, reminded me of this past week was, it's time to seal it, and I, I really didn't understand what that meant. I had to ponder on it for a moment, but then I realized, oh, witness and testimony seal it, witness and testimony. And it's been a while since I've been granted or afforded the opportunity uh, to stand before my brothers and sisters in the Lord and proclaim to my Father in heaven, it is finished. It's by your blood, it's by your love for me, and it's by the building of my faith and keeping my eyes fixed on you that I was able to we together were able to walk this journey that you had called us to it goes something like this but i want to preface it with one thing victory does not come without sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice. and all we have to do together is look at the cross look at the birth of our father Joy comes in the morning, but it comes with a price. There's so many things in my head, but I'm going to keep this short. Taking a look back, uh, 2008, I have some dear friends with us who I have known for 15 years. They are our friends, our brother and sister in the Lord they believed, and they have walked with us through this what what wonderful friends to have that can that can do that with you. <clears throat> so, in all sincerity, I think the two of them the year was two thousand. Uh, I had left the military uh, after fifteen years of service. Uh, in the uh, counterintelligence field. Came back home. um, Met Dave and Paula uh, at a church and uh, decided for some unknown reason to test the waters and become an entrepreneur. Sounded exciting. Uh, Started a company, and the company was a success. Uh, We were providing... um, Uh, Secure communications uh, for the government Uh, And the long and the short of it is the year 2008 hit And everything that came with that So the well dried up The company is lost and you're left as a man standing there saying what do you do next Where do we go from here A couple of years went by Resumes are going out And I had become very accustomed to the word, unfortunately. This is the world talking back at you, unfortunately. So we continue to walk, we continue to pray, we try to find, but can find nothing. We're truly walking through the desert. Then... An opportunity had come where uh, I was afforded uh, through my veterans' uh, benefits uh, to go back to school. And the long and the short of it is not once but twice over uh, secured uh, two degrees, uh, one of which was in energy management and the other uh, in business management, which I finish up this next quarter. But because of that, uh, I was afforded the opportunity to go back to Washington, D.C. Uh, and served under a uh, scholar fellowship with the Department of Energy headquarters. And all of a sudden, a little light bulb goes off in your head going, uh-huh, something's starting to come together. Something's starting to make sense. Asked me that I would been doing this five years ago, I would have told you you'd lost your mind. You're crazy, not me. But from that, uh, I was absolutely stunned and amazed. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity of one of the senior directors who pulled me into his office unannounced one afternoon. He closed the door and he said, You know, eight of you military veterans were selected from across America, you were one. I checked your file. I recognized that you are a Christian, you are a believer. Do you still walk with the Lord today? Can you imagine an elected official asking you that question in his office in Washington, D.C.? I looked at him and I said, yes, I do. And I shared with him my story. And he said, I would be honored if you and I could pray. This is a senior director for the Department of Energy, asking me to pray with him in his office. I said, what a God moment that was. I come back home and find that uh, something astounding had happened. I had applied for six different positions at the Bonneville Power Administration in Portland back in 2010, 2011, and 2012, respectively. After i had arrived back home, it wasn't a week later, that the Department of Energy Human Resources uh, back in Washington, D.C. issued me six letters of priority one hiring status because my resumes that were submitted to Bonneville were put into the trash can because I had declared veteran preference and the scandal uh, regarding Bonneville had broken loose. All of this happening while I was there in DC. I come back home, a few months have passed, and all of a sudden, I receive an email and a phone call. We would like to interview you for this position. Didn't say what it was. Are you interested in coming down and speaking with us? So of course, I went down, had my interview, we're interviewing other candidates, so as soon as we're done, we'll make our selection. And if you are selected, we'll be back in touch. 48 hours later, I received a phone call from one of the directors there at Bonneville. And she had said to me, Can you be down here by tomorrow morning at 11 a.m.? Uh, sure. I'll be there. Um... But I can't meet it at 11. Can we make it 12.15? Well, why is that? Well, because I have another interview that I've been called into uh, at 11 a.m. So I get down there do the first interview. Typical response. We're interviewing other candidates, and it'll take us a couple of weeks. And if you're selected, we'll be in touch. I walk into the next office. And find out that a uh, retired uh, U.S. Army colonel uh, was in charge of this program. And he says to me, this won't make sense to you. Are you a 97 Delta? That was my military MOS for what I was doing. And I said, why, yes, I was. And he explained to me that he had come out of the same field. In walk the head of the human resources department, sat down and said, Mr. McIntosh. <laughs> we really <clears throat> we really need you. We would be honored if you would accept our offer for full time employment <laughs> with Bonneville Power. It's all I could do. I was just waiting for her to turn around so I could. R- <laughs> Next thing I do is I get in my car. I say uh, thank you, Lord. I call my wife and tell her how the first interview went. And I said, "And oh, by the way, the second interview, sweetheart, I'm hired." So in closing, um, all this to say, I wasn't just hired my brothers and sisters. Um, Amazing. I go down to Portland tomorrow. I accept a senior position in their program management office, and it's uh, attached to the Office of Intelligence for the Department of Energy and I've been brought in as a senior executive to Bonneville Power. Here's the thing there's no victory without sacrifice. In your walk of faith, no matter where you're at physical, financial, doesn't matter we are to simply stand we are to give praise we are to cry out to Jesus his name and worship him because it's in that sacrifice of praise that unbeknownst and behind us where we can't see breakthrough comes in the morning
2: Sorry, I just wanted to say one last thing, because Pastor Eric had told me this, is it, it's not all finished. You know, um, we still have a process, and we've had 12 days to digest that we're moving. We're moving from a home that we've lived in for 25 years, a beautiful log home on five acres of the peace of God, rest in that place. We're moving into a land that we don't know, and people we don't know, and and. and eventually we'll have to find another church. (laughs) You know, we just now made this our church, (laughs) you know. And so, but we have laid our lives down and given our lives to the Lord and said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, um, for seven years. And in that, there is victory. In that, God is moving. And we have to believe by faith, even for my son Caleb, because I don't even know for sure what's going to happen there with this move Um, but God is able more than that if he has started this and this is of him and there is a purpose for us there then he will work out all these other things but I don't take it for granted and I don't go woohoo and I don't let the wind of joy just grab me and pull me my eyes are just as fixed just as strong persevering to the very very end because This is a walk. And that's what I wanted to share is it's a process from beginning to end. We're all in it.